What up, everybody? It's Tommy Runs, and this is the Run, Eat, Sleep show, episode number 64. Please, thank you so much for bearing with me as I go through these episodes and getting caught up here. We're about six or seven more to go before we're fully caught up um, via podcast platform, so please bear with me. This is an amazing episode. Today's episode is with Leah Fallon. I interviewed her last year, so we're still obviously behind, but Leah is just an amazing person. Had the chance to meet her. She is super fun, um, but she's really just a down-to-earth, honest, real-life person, Um, and she comes with so many gems and, and, and wisdom and knowledge that she's you know, built and gained over the years that is just so applicable to like everyday life. Um, in this episode, we talked about her career. Uh, we talked about the ups, the downs, injuries, and all that. But then we talked about mental health a lot. Uh, she's definitely an amazing champion of the mental health and mental wellness uh, push that we need to see in athletics and in life in general. So please check this episode out. Leah Fallon, absolutely love her. She is amazing. Hopefully you do too. Um, check her out. Make sure you go follow her, all that stuff. Like and subscribe this episode. How are you? Okay, so now, now you, now I don't want to talk to you anymore. Let's talk to the dog. How is? The dog? <laughs> yeah, this is Ozzy. Hey, Ozzy, how? Are... She's great. That's she's awesome. Napping. All right. Yeah, she's she's a she's a little weirdo, little hey. teddy bear. Kind of looks like a human and a possum and a dog. That all came together. That I mean, if you were to say that without me seeing the dog, I'd be more disturbed. But now that now I can see her, she she definitely doesn't look as scary as a human and a possum and a dog put together. She's got like human eyes. I don't know. She's pretty great. Well, that's. Oh gosh, Carlos is in here. Uh-oh. Get out of here. All right, no, Carlos, please stay. We may have you join the live at some point. You know. Uh, um, so how are you doing? I'm, you know, chilling. Uh, forewarning, I do have to leave at eleven for a doctor's appointment, but yeah. you know. Got a solid hour with you, yeah, yeah. so I feel like yeah. that's more than enough time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, I wasn't gonna try to, I wasn't gonna hold you too long anyway. But um, I thanks so much for joining me, and it's cool to see you again. Um, yeah. And I guess uh, I mean obviously a lot of people that are gonna be tuning in are fans of yours already. Um, but I just wanted to kind of just to give this whole thing like some structure. Maybe start from um, the beginning a little bit, but more of the sense of like when did when did you start running like when did running become a thing for you yeah um I started running when I was really young so my family is kind of like known as the running family where I'm from Croswell Michigan Mm -hmm. uh my dad ran my mom ran and they had that in common when they met so uh yeah my uh my siblings I think four of the six of us I think I have that number right went on to run division one schools so Cool. We got scholarships, which is nice uh, most of the time because my parents were like, you guys got to figure out how to pay for college yourself. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I started running when I was probably, I don't know, like a little kid. And then I just kept up with it and really fell in love with it like later on in high school. Okay. But I also played volleyball and um, basketball. I sucked, but I <laughs> Well, yeah, well, so, yeah, talk to me, I guess, talk to me about that, too. I mean, because I think one of the things that we kind of t- touched on at the, um, the, during the panel was, like, that, the the fact, I mean, even though you sucked, right, um, the, like, the, the fact, you know, the, the concept of just doing other sports as well, um, and how important do you think that that concept is to young and upcoming like really fast you know uh high school runners right now to maybe not just focus on solely 
the one sport? Yeah, I think it's super important. Um, and definitely the culture behind running has changed since mm -hmm. I was a little kid or like in middle school and high school. Mm -hmm. uh, but I mean, realistically, ideally, you are able to run the majority of your life, yeah. you know, and yeah. I credit me not being super, super intense about training and like middle school and high school mm -hmm. to me being, I'm 29 now and I'm going to continue run, running professionally for at least the next three years. So if I had run, I mean, I think I like to think of it as like a car, you know, if you put too many miles on your body, it's not, like, you're probably going to break down sooner. <laughs> so I think just being a little bit more dynamic as a kid and like learning how to be on a team with basketball and volleyball and then literally maxing out at maybe 20 miles a week when I was in high school, mm -hmm. um, it, it definitely made my list of colleges that I could go to for running a bit shorter, but yeah. it uh, made it so when I got to college, I was kind of like a blank slate. Yeah, yeah. And then okay. when I – and my coach saw my talent, and any good coach will see talent mm -hmm. and understand, like, if they want you to be really, really good in, like, your fourth and fifth year, they'll bring you in as a freshman and nurture you and teach you how to do that high mileage and how to be a bit more – I don't know, committed to the sport, but yeah, I mean, high school's hard enough. You're like figuring yourself yeah, yeah, out and yeah. <laughs> you have a lot of stuff going on. So, um, yeah, I think just not putting too much pressure on yourself when you're a kid and understanding like we're all works in progress and it's good to be more dynamic and have other interests as well. Yeah. I think, cause I think that, you know, when, I mean, there's often like, even as, you know, professional athletes, I mean, I've heard more that it's like, you have like those feelings when you are, your your identity it you are a runner you know like that's it like you this is what you do you are a runner um and mm -hmm. i think that like if that starts so early you know like that starts in ninth grade that you are a runner and everything you're worth like you know is tied to you know whether they say your name over the pa because you you know did well in the in the track mm -hmm. you know at the meet the day before and i just feel like you know having other sports in in being a well-rounded individual um, and just having some fun super too is super important. Um, yeah, and not just like athletically. I think it's really important to find things aside from uh, activities that rely on your physical wellness mm -hmm. um, that you can like really hone in on and, and celebrate about yourself. So just, I mean, I did theater when I was in high school. I did band for a while. Um, theater? Yeah. I would have. I would. Have, I'd have never guessed theater. <laughs> uh, I love theater, and I was class president, and I just like I loved to be a part of a lot of different things, and I think that that helped me uh, a lot, even as a an adult when I went pro, when I started to deal with a lot of injuries, mm -hmm. um, because it re I, I could fall back on the things that I knew that I was passionate about that I could do, even if you know, I had a bum foot or something wasn't going well with running um, because it can get really stressful when you put all your eggs in one basket, trust me. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, yeah, so just making sure that you find other interests and it doesn't have to be anything like groundbreaking, even if it's, you know, YouTube, YouTubing or reading or hanging out yeah. with friends. I, I think those things really, really make a difference. So, so as you, like, as, when did you, I mean, because I know you've obviously been running for, you know, the whole time and you were doing other things and just, you know, like you said, you weren't doing, like, high mileage or whatever, but when did you, when did it click for you that, like, wow, I'm pretty fast, like, I, I could do something with this, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I always thought whether or not it was, like, uh, 
warranted. I always thought that I was really fast when I was mm-hmm. a little kid. I was just like, yeah, yeah I'm, okay. I'm, I'm built for speed. Yeah. But I, I thought that I was like a 200-meter runner and uh-huh. like a 400-meter runner. And I did uh, 300 hurdles when I was in middle school. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I learned really quickly, like, ah, probably not my event. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I just, I, more than thinking that I was like super fast or like better than the average kid because i realistically was from a pretty small town so mm-hmm. competition wasn't super super steep everybody had other interests um i just like i enjoyed the feeling of running and i love running and i and i and i learned that early on and i think it's just grown and grown and grown and kind of in a way become one of my best friends it sounds cheesy but like <laughs> i really have you love like have you met my have you met my bit my best friend running where he's really cool <laughs> Um, Sometimes I hate her. She's <laughs> she's here. Yeah. Uh, and so, like, as you you know, so as you you left you left high school, went to MSU. So I mean, because you're you're a Michigan, you're a native Michigan, Michigander. Hey, Michigander. Michigander sounds so funny though. Like, I mean, I I'm know. I'm a Michigander as well, but it's just like it's it sounds weird to say. But, it sounds like a like a bird, like a goose or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, or like. <laughs> Yeah, or like, or like, a, or like slander, you know, like, like would you, like, would you call me? Um, so like, so you went to MSU, and then like, what was that transition like? Because I, I mean, I didn't do any of this stuff, so I'm like always interested to see like what was that transition from like high school to college like for you running? Yeah, um, it was it was it was a rough transition. I we can talk about other like mental health related stuff too, but I. I struggle with ADHD, which makes it a lot harder for me. I don't struggle. I have ADHD. I don't struggle with it. But it makes it a lot harder to uh, transition into new, uh, like, roles. And if you have your structure and your support system and you are uh, all of a sudden kind of ripped away from what, how mm-hmm. you, like, know how to cope, it can be really stressful going into a new environment. And um, I wasn't diagnosed when I went from high school to college. And so looking back, I can kind of have more compassion for myself, but I, you know, I came in on really low mileage. I didn't think I was ever going to go pro. Like Mm -hmm. that was not on my radar. I didn't think it was possible when I came in as a freshman. Mm -hmm. And I was literally just trying to be somebody who uh, lived up to my scholarship expectations. <laughs> yeah, right. Like that was my goal. Cause yeah. I came in, I think on like a 70% scholarship at Michigan state, which is a very like good yeah. amount of yeah, money. Yeah, a lot of money. And, um, if I didn't have that, like I'd be paying out of pocket and dealing with a lot of loans. So I'm somebody who like, when I do something, I want to do it really well. And I, my motivation going in was just like, don't disappoint them, <laughs> like live up to their expectations. And I think I put a lot of undue pressure on myself, yeah. but I saw, I got sick a lot my freshman year. I mean, you're living in the dorms yeah. and you are around a bunch of like new germs, yeah. <laughs> AKA people. And, uh, I wasn't like taking care of myself as well as I probably could have, mm-hmm. um, and that was just based like it was just stress. I didn't I didn't have my rigid schedule and I didn't have the accountability that I had in high school, like coming home and seeing your parents every day and having them up in your business. Um, in some ways, that was really good. Mm-hmm. And I became my own person. But in other ways, I kind of floundered around for a bit yeah. until my coach, Walt Drent at Michigan State, called me in eventually and was like, hey, um, you're going to be academically ineligible and <laughs> you're not like you're not uh, progressing. And yeah. I was like, oh, 
Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I should probably work harder. <laughs> yeah, but well maybe I should maybe I should th- put some effort behind this so I can con- continue to be here, you know? Yeah, yeah. And um, he handled it really well. And knowing what I know now at 29 that I didn't know back then wasn't, it wasn't that I was stupid or not mm-hmm. motivated or that I didn't care. Mm-hmm. I just didn't have the right tools in my tool belt to do the things that I needed to do yet. Yeah. Um, and I learned pretty quickly how to uh, ask for help. Mm-hmm. I had to go in in the subjects that I really struggled in, mainly math. Um, and they had free tutoring for student athletes. And at one point, I had to have a math tutor four out of the five weekdays just to body double and have somebody to sit next to and do homework next to. (laughs) Um, I really leaned into my friends and my teammates for accountability, going out for runs, and Mm -hmm. um, had to have basically weekly meetings with my coach where he would sit me down and be like, okay, how are we going to slow down today? Mm -hmm. Like, How are we going to set a new goal and move forward in a healthy way. And um, I really credit Walt to me being able to move forward. I also worked with a sports psychologist um, and she and I would have weekly conversations and she helped me tremendously just being able to reframe and make goals and actually take steps forward, which is a lot harder with ADHD. So like, it seemed like you learned a, like, it's like you learned a lot really quickly. You know, it's like, you got in there and, you know, just went kind of went not crazy, but you just kind of you're going everywhere and trying to figure things out on your own. And then you started mm-hmm. you know, learn how to ask for help, which is a big deal. I mean, because there's like, I mean, I'm 37 and I don't I think I just asked for help like yesterday for the first time. You know? <laughs> so, I mean, there's so yeah. many of us that like just don't. I mean, the way you said I learned to ask for help, like it seems like a no brainer, but there's so many uh, cases or whatever where like we really all we to make our lives just this much better or that moment better, we could just ask for help, you know? And mm. how, like, what did, what did you take from, like, that that time when you were, that transitioning time when you were really starting to kind of ask and look for help and all that stuff? What have you, what do you still use um, in that tool belt that you created, like, to this day now? Yeah, um, it was a really great foundation. I didn't even realize that I was setting myself up to have a long-running career when I was doing this. I just knew that I wanted to feel better. But I learned pretty quickly um, that a, it's really scary to ask for help sometimes because mm-hmm. your biggest fear is that you're going to go to somebody and admit where you're struggling yeah, and they're yeah. going to look at you and be like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, that's just because you're an idiot and, yeah, you, like, yeah, <laughs> and you're yeah. lazy and you don't know how to do that thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so I was scared to talk to teachers and TAs and even my coach and my parents and people that I knew could help me because I didn't want to go to them and explain what was going on and have them look back at me and be like, well, that's just you, Leah. You know, you can't get better. Um, And I realized as I did open up and become a bit more vulnerable with people that I really, really trusted, Mm -hmm. that they really were out there to help me. And there are resources that can help when you are struggling to just feel like you're capitalizing on your potential wherever you are. And so, I mean, that turned into books. It turned into weekly sports psych appointments. It turned into... um, yeah, basically just <laughs> swallowing my ego mm-hmm. <laughs> a bit and being able to go in. And, and I think that's probably where my sense of humor really was cultivated because I had to learn how to laugh at myself and yeah. forgive myself quickly about things. Like, because I messed up a lot and I continue to mess up. Like, everybody does. But just being able to, be, being able to go to somebody and be like, oh, I did it again. Yeah. Like, oh, I don't know how to do this thing. And having them 
meet you with compassion and kindness and like a way through um, has helped me not just in running, but every day of my life. And just like that, now I'm curious, like, so, be, you know, because at, during this time, like, I mean, because at a young age, I mean, that's a very mature thing to do is start doing all that, like building that tool belt and realizing you need that and going through those that process. Um, do, did you, you did you feel like you gained like this ability to kind of find who can actually help you? I mean, because you're right, there's, there's people that will you'll go and say, hey, I need some help or I'm having these feelings or these thoughts. And it could be, you know, it's the wrong person, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that could, that one reach for help could harm more than anything. And then mm-hmm. you're back to square one or worse. Like, so how did mm-hmm. you gain that, like that ability? Trial and error. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, like I, it, you have to, you have to ask. And sometimes you ask people and they don't give you the answers that you're hoping for, or they say things to you that leave you reeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and questioning yourself a lot. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm not going to lie. I've had interactions with people that were, did more harm than good. Yeah. So I'm not saying like, no matter what, reach out to somebody and they yeah. will always be helpful. That's not true. You, but you learn pretty quickly after a while to kind of weed out the people who just like, don't have your best interests in mind or more than that just don't understand and can't relate and don't have the empathy or the compassion to work with you the way that you need to be worked with. And so, um, I just look for people who like asked a lot of questions Mm -hmm. and were good listeners and were able to look at me even when I was a crying, sobbing mess and see the, the, the way through Mm -hmm. that, that hardship and, and kind of help me look forward as opposed to sitting in my filth and saying yeah. like, well, have you tried sleeping more or have you right. tried po- like positive thinking while those things are helpful? I think mm-hmm. having somebody who's willing to sit with you in that hurt and not try to push you out of it too quickly, but actually wants to hear what you have to say and validates your emotions, mm-hmm. um, really, really helps. And it's, it's not everyone is like that. So mm-hmm. if you're talking with somebody and you're sharing and they're looking at you cross-eyed or like, <laughs> like, uh, giving you quick, like they're quick to give you advice. Like, on oh, how to like, oh, just, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like you're probably just not eating well, or yeah. you're probably just not sleeping enough. Like those people, while they might mean well, probably have enough on their plates as it is. And mm-hmm. they don't know how to help you through what you're going through. And yeah. they are, they just want to fix it and get away. Yeah. The people who want to help are the people who ask questions and listen and validate you and then help you move through it. And so, just kind of, uh, I don't. I don't think anybody. I, I. I try to think that everyone has the best intentions, and that people, most people, are innately good. Mm-hmm. But sometimes people just like, you know, they're not ready, or you're not ready to talk with them, and and so just kind of running that through that filter. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I, I, I just, I just wonder because it's like, um, I mean, you do hear so many people. And the, the the problem with that, I guess, is not really a problem, but it's just tough because. You'll go to people that you you know that you trust um, and that you know want you to do well, you know, and it's just they have their own. I mean, it's not, it's not even about you. They have their own things that they have to work through, um, yep. and you may be asking them something that that they've never even thought about themselves in a way, you know. So it's just mm-hmm. tough. So it's like trial and error. But then in those trials, you got to be like kind of quick on the feet to realize like, okay, this you know this not not like 
uh, in a bad way, but this just this person right now isn't for me at this like at this moment. Maybe not. Mm-hmm. You don't have to disassociate, but just it, this advice wagon is not going where I needed to go. You know. <laughs> you just um, yeah. You set a boundary with them uh, pretty early on, and it doesn't mean you can't be friends with them or care about them or yeah. have a good relationship with them. It's just kind of like ah, oh, that's probably not the person I need to talk to about right. this. Not this. And one, yeah. <laughs> not this. Not this. Not like this. But then you can like. Um, there are certain times when you're maybe you're talking to the most trusted, compassionate person that you know, and they look at you like, "Man, that's out of my pay grade." Yeah. And at that point, you go, "Ugh, maybe I should like talk to a professional about this." Yeah. And so, looking into sports psychologists or just a psychologist in general to help okay. you with something is is really really helpful and helped me a lot even early on, and still continues to help. Yeah, and I, and I appreciate you talking to me about this. I mean, I've seen you've been opening up about it, you know, much more uh, lately, which is amazing, and more people like. And I, I can't wait to talk about this YouTube thing that you're going to be doing soon. Uh, really get that going. <laughs> yeah, but me too. I want to kind of like stay around that because like it plays a big part in like your life and your in your career. Um, mm-hmm. If could so like from college, can you like fast track me to like 2016, ish? Yeah. So college was great. Had a lot of fun. <laughs> didn't get injured <laughs> learned a lot had a really great support system and then i signed in 2015 with adidas mm-hmm. and um, it was a great contract and i was really excited i was actualizing on something that i genuinely when i came into college didn't think was possible mm-hmm. um it was so much uh like excitement there was so much excitement and there were so many good things but at the same time there was a lot of stress and pressure because all of a sudden I went from being at MSU where I had all my good friends. I was living with people that I loved. I had my system. I knew I, you know, I felt very in control (laughs) and then I went pro and all of a sudden my running, which is something that I, I love and loved then became my job, Mm -hmm. not just my passion. And when running becomes your job and it's literally in writing, like this is what you have to do. Mm -hmm. It changes, it changes a lot. Um, and it is a huge transition. And so my mindset, uh, in 2016, um, especially cause that was leading into Rio, the Rio Olympics mm-hmm. is that I was going to stay in East Lansing with my college coach and I was going to continue training the way that I was. And then I would eventually, you know, just keep progressing and, and make the Olympic team, mm-hmm. which, you know, isn't like a bad idea considering the lack of. Uh, availability of teams in the United States at the time. So there were like, there weren't many professional groups, especially not with Adidas. And, um, I didn't want to move somewhere where I didn't know anyone and not have a group. (laughs) Um, and just like be reliant on one or two people. I wanted to keep my support system. And so I stayed at Michigan state. They were great to me. Like MSU, they, they, they're lovely. Like they really wanted to give me every resource. My college coach, I can't Mm. say enough good things about him. He had a lot on his plate with the college kids, and then he was also trying to coach me as a professional, which meant a lot of the time he couldn't travel with me to meets. And then um, when I graduated shortly after I signed, I got my first major injury. So I got a stress fracture in my cuboid. And that is in your your right ear? Is that what it is? (laughs) (laughs) It is the biggest bone in your foot. Okay. So... not easy to get a stress fracture there, uh, but I was running like 70 to 80 mile weeks at that point in my mm-hmm. career, and I was steepling a lot and racing a lot, and um, it kind of came as a shock to me. I ran through it for a while because, I, like I said, I'd never mm-hmm. been injured before that, so I didn't understand the warning signs of being injured. Yep. And 
I actually went to Europe with a sore foot and I got into some Diamond League events. For those of you who don't know what that is, they're just like really big, yeah. flashy track events that are hard to get into. And I uh, was in Switzerland for one of them and I sat out. And I remember like aqua jogging in a lake in Switzerland next to some swans thinking like, what the heck is my life? (laughs) And then I I flew to Monaco, um, which again, like unreal, crazy place. Uh, I, it's, it's just so, there's so much money. Um, and it was a really cool experience, but I had a really sore foot and I went to the trap to race. I steeple. So steeple chase is my main event. Um, for those of you who don't know what that is, you jump over barriers <laughs> and over a pit of water. It's not easy on your feet. Um, and I remember being below uh, the stands in Monaco and Dababa, the 1500 was right before my race. And mm-hmm. Dababa uh, broke the, I think it was a world record in For the, the 1500. Wow. And Shannon Roberry broke the American record. And Chanel Price like paced it and she did an amazing job. And it was like the, the field was on fire. Like it was yeah. so cool. And I was below the stands like, oh my God, I'm going to die. Like, yeah. I was like, I'm not ready for this. Yeah. And I got on the line and I felt like, like I'm, I, mm. I felt like I was going to hyperventilate. And then I looked over at Emma Coburn who was standing next to me and she like, I think she squeezed my hand or my shoulder or something. She's like, you're going to be okay. Cause I think she knew that my foot was messed up. And I was like, okay, well here goes nothing. All right. So I, <laughs> I steepled. I got done. I finished the race. I didn't run a great time, but I finished it and I got done and I could like, I was limping around Yeah. and there were some sports med doctors from the U S there and they saw me trying to cool down on the infield. And I was just like limping around the practice track and they pulled me over. They're like, Leah, baby girl, like what are you, you doing? gotta go home. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I know, I don't know what's going on. So I went home and I got an MRI and lo and behold, there was a stress fracture in my cuboid. Um, and I, you know, that sucked. It was my first injury. There was a lot to process there, but I healed up. I got back into training. And mm-hmm. then that next spring, so I healed up over the winter, got fit. That next spring, I ran 918 in the steeplechase at pre-classic, which at the time yeah. was the third best steeple ever uh, run by an American woman. Mm-hmm. And I was like, shit, yeah, I'm going to yeah, make here we the go. Yeah. team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, yeah, of course, I doubled down on my training. I was training alone. And, um, you know, my mental health wasn't in the best place it probably could have been. I was dealing with a lot of anxiety and I was pretty was low, it, but I just kept training through it. Was it like, I mean, just the anxiety of, I mean, what was the, what was the, the source of that? Like, was it because you're working so hard to get to the, to the trials or? I think, what? um, it was a lot of things. So I had lost. Uh, all of the other passions in my life and the people that had typically kind of kept me balanced, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So in college, yeah. I had I had all my good friends around me and, um, you know, I had the team to focus on, which was a huge thing for me. Like, I need to be on a team, which mm-hmm. I know now. But um, it helps me go to practice and not feel like all the pressure is on that day and on me to mm-hmm. to do something i like being able to cur- encourage other people and see other people grow and be a part of their progress mm-hmm. um so i lost that piece and so running started to feel very lonely mm-hmm. um and i didn't realize it then but that was really really making me anxious and um yeah i just felt like i didn't th- there isn't like a textbook on how to be a professional runner so right. i was just looking around at every other professional runner <laughs> Like, how do I do this by myself in my college town? And that, I mean, 
that alone isn't bad, but I think day by day when I didn't turn and confront that feeling and instead just like started comparing myself to the women to others, yeah. around me and other professional runners, I started to feel very inadequate mm-hmm. and like I had to work even harder to get to where I wanted to be, which was like the Olympic team so mm-hmm. that I could fulfill my sponsorship requirements and just be good at my job. Like mm-hmm. we all want to be good at our jobs and that yeah. was my job. Um, but yeah, I, I, I wasn't, I knew that there was something off, but I couldn't like, you couldn't it. place it. Yeah. 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 Um, and at that time I was too afraid to ask for more help than I'd asked for. Like I was like, I already talked to a sports psychologist. Like what more do I need? Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I wasn't diagnosed with ADHD at the time. And something I didn't know then is like, you struggle with emotional regulation. You're prone to anxiety. Um, you lack dopamine in your brain, which is responsible for like happy chemicals. Mm -hmm. So you're more likely to default to a negativity bias. So when something would go wrong or I'd look at something on social media and I didn't have good things in my life that I had previously had built around me, um, I started to think a lot more negatively, Mm -hmm. which is not like me at all. Like I am a positive person. Mm -hmm. And so I started really panicking like, Oh gosh, there's There's gotta be something. I know there's something wrong. What can I do? I guess I just have to train harder, which I feel like that's, I feel like that's kind of crazy. Like the way that you said, like, I feel it's crazy because there's so many people that are like genuinely like positive and like outgoing and the moment that they, we, whatever have like a bad moment. It's like, it's like you double down. It's like, what's wrong you know like because it's not Mm -hmm. like oh i'm just in a bad mood today but you're just like i'm never in a bad mood for this long something has to be crazy wrong um yeah and and that's like it just kind of speaks to like what what needs to be talked about more often you know what i mean yeah like just in general not 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 just around sport i just i i was not being very kind to myself yeah if that makes sense like from from an out perspective I was but Mm -hmm. internally my mental chatter was like unlike anything I'd ever experienced Mm -hmm. and it was it felt like harder and harder and harder to think of myself in a positive way and feel good about what I was doing yeah um and I think that if anyone relates that feeling it's kind of your first sign that it's time to get some more help um but I was I also had that feeling of like, oh gosh, I'm a pro runner. I'm supposed to have it together. Yeah. Like I'm supposed to like display strength mm-hmm. and poise. And my brand up until then was this happy go lucky, goofy girl. And I didn't want to come across as like this dark, right. sad, mm-hmm. pessimistic person. And so instead of admitting that to myself, let alone somebody else, I just continued to work yeah. and I buried myself in work and my work is running. So, um, that can only really work for you for so long. Right. And, um, my, I had, I struggled with sleep disturbances. I had like chronic tension. Um, and I was definitely overtraining for the amount that I was able to recover at the time. Mm-hmm. So then, um, yeah, in 2016, I had gotten myself back into, into shape, which you can do in these seasons. It's not necessarily healthy. Yeah. Um, and then I ran a 918 in the steeple at, at the pre-classic in 2016, like I said. And I came home and I was like, great everything's working. I'm doing it. And so I doubled down on what I was doing and I worked harder and harder and harder. And then my planner in my right foot started hurting planner fascia trained through it. Didn't admit it. (laughs) And then I went in to see a doctor and I got an MRI and it was partially torn. Um, and the opinion that I received from the doctor was like, you, 
probably shouldn't run through this, but the Olympic trials are in five weeks. Mm. So being that you're like in a really good position to make the Olympic team, you should probably like consider just pain management strategies, like running on the Alter G, which is an anti-gravity treadmill and yeah. um, staying out of spikes as much as possible. We won't race. We'll just keep you fit so that yeah. you can go to the Olympic trials and try to make the team. So I did that. Don't recommend it <laughs> at all. Um, I was in a lot of pain for five weeks and yeah. pretty much in denial of the fact that like it probably wasn't going to happen for me that yeah. year, yeah. but I didn't know what else to do because I was so deep in a hole at that point. Um, so I raced at the Olympic trials. My planner ruptured. I didn't make the team. I went home and I was, I was just devastated. And mm. I, and I, and that kind of started the process of, my injury cycle, because during that process leading into the Olympic trials, I messed with my endocrine system a lot, which I didn't realize, and um, I had a lot of stuff to unpack mentally that mm -hmm. I needed to work on. So, yeah. And, and then, so like right, right around like after that time, then you were thinking about just saying, "Forget it," you know, like running is just not my thing. I'm done, you know. Not um, a, yeah, not initially. Initially, I came back from the Olympic trials. I got a puppy, Harper, <laughs> and I. Um, looked at my life and I was like, okay, what needs to change? And still at this time, I thought it was external factors. Mm -hmm. I was like, it just, it's the place. Like, it's the people that I'm around. It's, it's, I just need, I thought like, okay, at this point, if I just get on a team, that'll fix it. Yeah, right. So I joined what no longer exists, but it was, it was then the NorCal Distance Project mm -hmm. in Sacramento, California. Yep. Um, and there were some amazing women on that team. And this is nothing against that team or those women, but it, for me at that time, it wasn't the right fit because I came in um, <clears throat> unknowingly in this position where I was locked and loaded to just continue that same cycle all over yeah, again, yeah. just in a different place. So like you hear wherever you go, there you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I showed up in, in California. I was like, this is going to fix it. This is going to fix it. And I just started training hard again. Um, Felt like I was getting fit and boom, got injured again. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, mm -hmm. I don't know what else I can do. I'm doing everything that I can think of externally to fix this problem. Um, and then as the months wore on in California, I was far away from my family. Uh, oh, people keep asking about that. Oh, yeah, I was going to, I, I didn't want to stop you. <laughs> okay, yeah. So I'll, I'll come back to the California thing. So the endocrine system, I'm, I can't define it off the top of my head. You can just Google it. But basically, it's responsible for, like, your hormones, my thyroid, um, and, like, all the – I guess if you get blood work, you get all these different tests. on like, um, Yeah, yeah. So, like, my ferritin was really low. Mm -hmm. um, I wasn't I, – I think my ferritin, which is your iron, was – I think at like a 14 at that time for reference now it's like in the hundreds. Um, and I, my thyroid. So what happens, um, especially I know with female runners and maybe the same with men, but when you overtrain for long periods mm -hmm. of time, you put stress on your endocrine system. And my thyroid was just screwed. Mm -hmm. Like I, it was just, I, it was underactive essentially. So I had gained, I kept gaining weight that I, couldn't explain so mm -hmm. I gained like 15 to 20 pounds even though I was eating well and trying to exercise it felt like it was just sticking to my body in ways that it never used to yeah, yeah. Um, my face was like puffy my hair was falling out I wasn't sleeping I stopped getting my periods even though I wasn't overtraining mm -hmm. um, and for women that is a telltale sign that something is super wrong um, but 
I was doing everything that I normally did. And mm-hmm. so I didn't see why my body just wouldn't work with me the way that I wanted it to. So, yeah, I mean, Aubrey, my friend is in here. She lived with me during that time and she saw a lot of my struggles because I was like, I don't know what else to do for myself. Like, mm-hmm. it just feels like my body does not want me to run anymore. And that feeling is so hard on your brain. Um, and it made me feel like I was hurting myself by continuing to run, even though I still love the sport. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I struggled with that for a while. Um, but back to California, I was in California and I was struggling with depression and anxiety, obviously, because I was like that, that red flag alarm bells in your head, like something's wrong. (laughs) Um, I, I went in and I got um, help for that. I took a break from competing and training and I didn't tell anyone about it. So mm-hmm. like the, except for my close friends and family, there were um, the U- USA championships were in Sacramento during this time mm-hmm. where I was living mm-hmm. and I was taking a break from racing and just doing therapy and like just giving myself a break, which yep. I cannot recommend enough. If you feel like you're in a place where you have tried and tried and tried for years to get it right and you can't, um, I knew kind of intuitively that if I didn't stop, I'd never be able to start back up again. Mm-hmm. Um, if I didn't give myself that break, I was probably never going to get back into running no matter what, um, because I was starting to hate it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I took a pretty long break. I did pretty intense therapy and I was diagnosed at the time with anxiety, clinical anxiety mm-hmm. and consequent depression. And so that's what I thought I had. They yeah. put me on an SSRI and I tried really, really hard with cognitive behavioral therapy, mm-hmm. um, which is great. I can't recommend that enough to anyone who struggles with their mental health. It's different than just talk therapy where you sit down with somebody and you just bleh, your yeah, feelings right. at them. Yeah. Um, it's very intentional. There are worksheets. It's basically helping you slow your thoughts down and think about the way that you think, which I was re- recently diagnosed with ADHD and I look back and I realize, like, oh, CBT is one of the most effective strategies to manage ADHD. And I loved it when I was in therapy. I thought yeah. it was the best thing. The talk therapy, I was like, yeah, this helps. But That's cool. yeah. the CBT is really what I need. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I met Dathan, my current coach, in 2018 at a point in my running career where I was like, I was getting, I was getting somewhere very slowly, but mm-hmm. I was like, I just, I, I don't know. I felt like it was probably time for me to quit. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I, I met him after I'd just eaten like a huge thing of fried chicken. Fried chicken. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So he, I was like in normal people clothes at a track meet with my dog, just like trying to watch, but not be talked to. And yeah, of course, well, can, real great place to go. Like for you to be undercover. Yeah. Eating fried chicken on a yeah. track. <laughs> Attract me. Well, he came up to me and he was like, Leah. I was like, no, he's here. Because he tried to message me on Twitter before and I'd never met him, but I was like, I don't know if I want to like talk to anyone about running. Um, and he started asking me about where I was and I was honest. Like, I'm always honest. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I've learned not to be ashamed of struggle. Because yeah, yeah. like, whatever, we all do it. Yeah. Um, and so I told him, I was like, yeah, I'm probably going to maybe quit. I don't know. I just keep getting injured. And I'm, I was 25 at the time. And I was like, I just, I don't know. Like, how much longer can I do this? Right. And he laughed at me. He's like, you're 25? You're a baby. And I was like, no, I'm not. Yeah, like, <laughs> you're like, no, I'm not. I'm grown. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm a big girl. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
he he took me under his wing because he was in Michigan uh, training with Hansons at the time. Yep, yep. And he had a little group there called Gazelle Elite that he was like. Now, like now, I know he was honing in on his coaching skills, and uh, yeah, he helped me right away. Um, I was still being coached by my college coach, and so he just said, like, if you need help with weight training and just kind of getting yourself out of this hole, I'll be there. And so what I was doing was commuting from East Lansing to Grand Rapids in Michigan, which is like an hour, Mm -hmm. um, meeting with Dathan and his PTs, so Jason Ross and Adam Hamolka, a chiropractor and a PT, and just kind of slowly chipping away at that hole that I was in. And then eventually I was commuting so much that I was like, I'm just going to move to the west side and have Jake coach me. And so... That's what I did. So, so like, I mean, because earlier we were talking about, like, you know, certain people in your life that are just, like, may not be, like, the it for that moment. Um, so what what did, like, Dathan, you know, bring to the table as in, like, the way he worked with you or talked to you or something that just seemed like it worked? I mean, because, I mean, I know he had some, um, I think he had uh, injury issues kind of throughout his career. I mean, I think all runners have. So... Mm-hmm. Um, but did was it because it was just he was very familiar with maybe the thoughts and struggle of what you're going mm-hmm. through? What was it that worked for you? I think that's exactly it. You hit the nail on the head. He just was really good about looking at me uh, and listening to me talk about the pain that I was in mm-hmm. um, related to my injuries and just like the mental side of injuries. And he never once made me feel guilty about that pain. Mm-hmm. Um and just would say, like, yeah, it really sucks, I know, but I promise you there's a way through this. Yeah. Like, I've done this, this, and this, and this is how we do it. And he he made me a roadmap through it, which that is probably the hardest thing for me to do is create myself a plan and a roadmap um, because sometimes I get so, like, stuck in the now mm-hmm. and the flurry of thoughts and anxieties and Um, when you don't know certain things about, like, I couldn't coach myself. Like I didn't know how to work through that thing. And he did. Um, and so he's helped me a lot, just slow down that process, accept injuries, accept that they suck. Um, but then create a plan and move through them. And so he's done that. I don't even know how many times now, Mm -hmm. but yeah, he's, he's really good at that because he's been injured. Maybe you should have Dave on at some point to tell you how many times he's been injured. I swear, every time anybody's like, oh, I had this thing, you know, this thing going on, they can, like, well, name it. He's like, yeah, I had that in 2010, you know? Yeah, right, right. No, he knows the day, the time, <laughs> the, yeah, the, the, so, the race. Um, and then so, like, kind of fast forward, because I know you're, you're getting close on your time here. Um, mm-hmm. Fast forward to, to, la- to this, I was going to say last year, this last season, um, mm-hmm. which was, you know, at, from 2016 when you were, you know, here we're, we're on our way. And then you, you know, went through your things and, you know, had to work through some um, some issues and got yourself back together and worked with the team and, and are now on uh, on Athletic Club and uh, the funniest group of people. <laughs> and, you know, like you just got some really cool teammates. Um, how much is that, like, team vibe that this team has brought to you, do you feel contributed to your success this year? Uh, it just like, uh, yeah, I didn't even realize how badly I needed this team until I was on the team. If mm-hmm. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like I was nervous when Dathan came I, cause I lost my contract with Adidas and then I was without a contract and then COVID hit and I was starting to get fit again, but I was like, Oh, yeah. what are the odds I get picked back up? So All I right. was like on LinkedIn, like, Oh, what do I do? <laughs> um, yeah. And then Dathan called 
me into his office at his house and he was like, Hey, we have this opportunity to go to Boulder, Colorado on running wants to create a group. I really want you to come with me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yep, let's do it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so Lewis, my husband, I met him in Michigan. He was on Gazelle Elite with me and I like sat down that day and we we're like, we're going, we're going, we're going to Colorado. Yeah. And so we packed everything up and moved out. And I was nervous cause you know, I was the oldest person in the group by quite a few years and I thought, like, oh, what's going to happen? Yeah. These kids are just out of college. Are they going to, like, are we going to get along? Right. I don't know why, but I'm, like, a 24-year-old boy. Like, I meet these guys and, like, all of them, everyone. We just all yeah. clicked. And I think I, that credit goes to Steve DeCoker and Andy Weeding and Dathan for creating this team and having a vision because yeah. they, like, picked us all out and realized, like, the personalities of the people on the team had yeah. to mesh. Otherwise the team would just crumble. Yeah. And so they're very selective about who they allow on. Not because not, not because everybody's like, not everybody can join, but because they have to consider all the dynamics and like the way yeah. people are going to get along or not get along. And so they did it. They, they pulled it off. Yeah. Like we freaking love each other and we have a lot of fun and I've learned a lot from them. I mean, we had five Olympians last year in our first year as a yeah. team yeah. and I PR'd for the first time in five years in yep. the steeplechase. And, uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm very, very grateful. It's been sweet. Yeah, I mean, because just from meeting you guys, spending some time with you, and it wasn't even the whole team, it was just a few of you, um, it's like it's it's a team for sure, and I'm sure, and obviously on is all about, you know, performance. But like you said, Andrew and Dathan, um, I mean, you can tell that they worked on the family vibe and the family aspect of it. Um, because mm-hmm. it's just like it was like being around people that have known each other forever, you know, yeah. um, and it was really cool. Yep. And I, you know, I felt like for a moment when we were <laughs> playing ping pong with weird, oddly, oddly colored ping pong balls, um, mm-hmm. it felt like I was a part of the family, too, for a little bit there. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so <clears throat> just kind of like to sort of like kind of close out a little bit. Um, I think that you know, number one, could you quickly talk about like what your plan is with the YouTube channel? Because I'm really excited about it, and <laughs> I know it's going to be fun, yeah. but I feel like it's going to have a message, you know? Yeah. So I got my degree in journalism at Michigan State, and um, since then, I don't really feel like I've used the skills that I developed and the things that I'm really passionate about mm-hmm. on social media, um, and I. Social media is a part of our contracts as runners, to be clear. Like, we have to use social media. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like Instagram, I don't feel like it does a very good job all the time. I mean, some people are really good about being vulnerable and sharing, and I try really hard. But I know when I was struggling at my at my worst points with my mental health and injuries, I just wished more people were talking about what they were going through and sharing right, those experiences right. and, like, kind of ways through and so it's twofold one on one side the selfish side i love being creative and i like like editing and it's just fun for me Mm -hmm. so it's coming from that place and also like i want to be more authentic on social media and just help people because i feel like i've been very very lucky to meet the people that i've met and get the help that i've gotten and i know a lot of that has to do with privilege and uh just you know meeting the right people at the right time. And so I just want to bring on guests who like have experiences that maybe I don't have and share my own experiences in hopes that people will like, 
look at it and laugh because it's it's gonna be weird. Like yeah, I can't it's gonna take be anything it's, it's, yeah. serious. It's gonna be strange. But, <laughs> yeah, it's gonna there's gonna be a lot of edits and like goofy stuff. So don't go on thinking it's gonna be like a therapy session. I'm not a doctor. It's more or less just like being open authentic honest, and open. vulnerable yeah because yeah. I, I feel and letting like people do that too your trailer <laughs> i forgot what moment it was i watched the trailer and i just started laughing because like like it was just like a perfect moment for you <laughs> like this is gonna be so funny um, uh, it's gonna be yeah i i just interviewed morgan mcdonald my teammate he's an olympian from australia mm-hmm. yesterday and he is just a, a crazy cool person and there i just like Going through my kind of like my context, I know so many cool people that have great stories, and I and I think a lot of people would benefit from just hearing from them. So we'll I see. I don't know. I it's going to evolve. <laughs> I, I I agree for sure. I mean, because I've done like podcasts where I was interviewed, and I thought like, you know, I'm not like a fast runner or anything like that or whatever, but I thought that people would be more like interested in like how I qualified for like for Boston and my second marathon or whatever and blah blah blah. And then like they asked me questions about like the past and how I started running. I talked about like alcoholism and you know that struggle and veganism and stuff like that. Then I started getting all these DMs and stuff about like about people how people connected to my honesty about my struggles with alcohol and how I go about doing these things or whatever. And that's when I realized that, like, you know, people connect to you because you're fast. And, I mean, they may follow you because of that or whatever other reason. But then they stay and, like, really hone in, like, as, like, they follow you because of how vulnerable and open you are about your struggles. Because we all, whether we have been diagnosed with something or not, we all have moments where we, if we talked about it or listened to somebody that's open, it could help us in in major ways, you know. Um, so yeah. I appreciate you sharing and being open, and I hope that you continue because it's, I mean, people on here just uh, just love you. So I, I really appreciate <laughs> that. I love them. It's just, yeah, it's all about using social media as a force for good. And, and I think you do a really good job of that as well. Well, thank you. Well, thank great. you. And I'm not even a professional, yeah. so I appreciate it. Thank you so much. No, you're fantastic. Um, yeah, thanks for having me on So here. And so I wanted to, um, well, number one, really quick, um, Two things, if you can. What would you yeah. What would you want to say to some of the, like the younger folks or anybody really watching this about you know like that balance of like running and mental health and all that? I mean, it's a loaded question, but what would you want to say to kind yeah. of leave off? More than anything, I would say learn to be nice to yourself first, because we're all works in progress, and like I am guilty of just wanting to have it all figured out right now. Like, I've constantly been like that. I'm a high achiever. I know a lot of high achievers. You want to be great. And it's okay to want to be great. But in the here and now, learning to look at yourself and take credit for the things that you're doing well Mm -hmm. um, and express gratitude for those things and move forward in an intelligent and kind way, both to yourself and other people, like, that's the best that you can possibly do on a daily basis. And even if you're looking at social media at a professional runner, like, or a professional anything and idealizing them, I promise you, I promise you if you lean in just a little bit or if you were to sit down for a drink with those people, you would learn a lot of stuff that you can't see on a highlight reel on Instagram. And I know people know that, but like genuinely, nobody's immune to it. So just be nice to yourself and keep learning and it's okay to, it's okay to screw up sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is okay. We all screw up. 
Well, thank. Yeah. Well, so what I wanted to do is, um, I think it's probably a terrible idea, but what I want to do, because um, On uh, has blessed me with the opportunity to give away a pair of shoes uh, up to two hundred and seventy-five dollars, and if you Woo! and if you're just like so inclined, the, oh. these do you like these? Yeah, I yeah. love those. Those are what I do on my tempo work. Things right. in, and yeah, they're nice. So these are the ones that cost like I think they're two seventy. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, you can, the thing is you can, if you don't want these, you can get any shoe on the website. If you win, uh, I'll just give you the, the winner, the promo code. So what I'd like to do, um, is because of like the mental health aspect of this, I'd love if whoever's watching this, that's why you have to kind of be just DM me a something that's helped you in your mental health journey. Like you don't need to give me the crazy backstory. I mean, if you want to. Because my, my backstory is out there. Um, but you don't have to give me the backstory, but just something that you do or have done that's helped you in your mental health journey. And if you, with your blessing, Leah, I'll share with you some of them and we can pick one together. And, Heck yeah, that's and, awesome. Okay, cool. So we'll pick a winner based on whoever, if you're on here, if you've had any mental struggles, what tools and things have you done to help you along your journey? And just DM me at the Run, Eat, Sleep show. And we'll pick it in the next few days, and hopefully we get the, we, get, we get a great winner. Would it help if I like shared a couple of things for reference, maybe? Sure. So there like, we go. People can think about it. They're okay. like, they're so, like, like chewing, like doing, like eating gummy bears is good, but that's not necessarily what we're looking for. Maybe not a healthy coping strategy. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. we don't want to get DMs like, "Oh, you're good, you're wrong." Um, no, yeah, like. <laughs> So, like, healthy coping strategies, mindfulness, meditation. Tara Brock has a great podcast. Um, she's all about mindfulness and does, like, talks on self-compassion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I listen to her all the time. It's kind of woo-woo sometimes, but it genuinely helps. Like, if I can't sleep, I turn her on, on my podcast and on the app, and she helps. Um, yoga with Adrian. If you're injured or you can't use your body the way that you want to, that's a really good way to be active and reconnect with your body. She's on YouTube. It's free. Yoga with Adrian. Um, yeah, those are my two. I guess those are two things yeah. that like I'm an evangelical about. Tar Rock and Yoga with Adrian. <laughs> yeah. So I I actually just started a yoga a 30 day yoga reset um, because like I have been going through some stuff lately. It just seems like I'm all over the place. Um, and and then I lost my grandmother last Tuesday, and it was just like it kind of like rocked like the situation. And, like, on Thursday, I just was like, you know, I need to do something different. Did yoga um, in, in down here in my basement and then was going to post about it just because, like, I had a caption. I wanted to say something. And then I'm like, you know what? I'm doing 30 days. So I'm on day, like, eight right now. And Yoga with Adrian has been – I've done a couple of those. And, and I just post something about it every day and, ch- and, like, not challenge but invite people to come along the journey because 30 days of yoga, whether it's – 10 minutes or 30 minutes or an hour or whatever it is, um, it just helps so much because, it, you know, I, as a runner, it makes you stronger, but then as a mm-hmm. person, it makes you stronger, you know, in the mindfulness and mental category. So um, that, yeah. I think that's great. So, yeah. And full transparency. I am going in right now. After this, my doctor's appointment, I'm getting PRP in my planner. I'm mm. just going to tell people this on here. Yeah. So you guys know you, it's okay. It's like you can have a positive mindset even in the midst of struggle. So, yeah, I've had a. I raced in Sweden after the Olympic trials, and my planner, like in my left foot, got pretty sore. Mm-hmm. I got a cortisone shot in it after a couple months. I got five weeks of good running in, and then it started to hurt again. So I'm going in in like an hour, and I'm really nervous. I'm going in to get a 
PRP injection, which is called platelet-rich yep. plasma. Yep. So they draw your blood, infuse it with uh, anti-inflammatory, and then take a big needle and put it back into your foot. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of runners who have had it, but I've never done it. So, yeah, I'm going to be doing a lot of yoga with Adrian in these yeah. next coming weeks because well, I'm going to be healing up well, from that. Parker, Parker Sensen talks about that a lot. I think he's, he got it in his, like, knee, the PRP thing. Yep. So, yeah, and Morgan, my friend, well, I yeah. think he got it in his like Achilles or something. So, yeah. sounds like a sounds like a ball. Yeah, <laughs> sounds can't like wait. Fun. Lewis is going with me. Thanks. Oh, good. He'll, yeah, he's <laughs> yeah. he's a perfect person yeah. to go light, lighten up the situation. Yeah. Um, but thank you so much for being on the show. I know you have to go um, do some do some quick meditation with uh, with Adrian before you go. Have some fun. <laughs> Smile all the way through. It's not gonna hurt. I'm sure. Um, oh, but yeah. thanks so much. For, <laughs> thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks for being a, like a guiding light for people who are struggling with things or not struggling, but they're just going through it. Um, thanks, Everyone does. Thanks yeah. so much and. Um, I hope to talk to you soon. And like I said, guys, DM me any tools that you've used, healthy tools you've used to cope with uh, mental stress or anxiety or whatever it is. DM me now and we'll pick a winner. Thank you so much. Bye. Run, eat, sleep, repeat, guys. <laughs> See, I told you, Leah is just wildly dope. She's an awesome person. Like, she literally laughed at the end of it because she's just a fun person and that's just the way she rolls. And I hope to have the opportunity to bump into her many more times throughout events and stuff like that. Please make sure you go follow her. Follow her on Instagram, Leah Fallon. Um, Google Leah Fallon. She comes up everywhere. Um, follow her on YouTube. She's got a YouTube channel as well. That's obviously what we talked about a little bit there. Uh, but she's just a super great person in mental health and mental health awareness and wellness is just so, so important for any sport you're playing in, any walk of life, any day of the week. Mental health is so, so important. And so I'm so, so very glad that she uh, took the opportunity and to be open and talk about these things to uh, bring awareness to it so that people like myself, younger runners, um, just people in general can connect with that and embrace uh, the help that they may need or just embrace who they are as people. Thank you so much, Leah. You guys are the bomb. Make sure you subscribe to this uh, podcast on whatever podcast platform you are listening to it on. Follow me on Instagram if you want to watch the actual videos. It's at the Run, Eat, Sleep show on Instagram. Love you guys. Peace out. Be blessed.